Uh, what deprive the Indies of Matt Cordona? Yeah. I know that Val Pancakes will be devastated. The king of the death matches? <laughs> it's the new pipeline. You feud with Effie and then you sign for a major. That seems to be accurate, yeah. All right, let's get into it before we talk about stuff that we're going to talk about anyway. Right? 179 episodes. You think we'd learn. Hey, I'm Harley. That's not how you're going to start the show. That's um. And they're Dawn. And we're the Glitterati. Woo! Okay, so we're one, two, and three. And then um, in about, what is it? Like 90 seconds? We'll have a, a fourth. And then throughout this episode, we're going to keep adding seconds. <laughs> It doesn't feel like completely codified. It really doesn't. It feels like my, my dad likes to pull out like his phone and time it on the app and be like, oh, I was in 90 seconds. I was 100 seconds. Oh my god, I love your dad. We really <laughs> should do a Royal Rumble episode though, sometime where we like keep adding people every like minute and a half to our to our conversation. <laughs> ninety seconds, Val Pancakes joins the chat. Another ninety seconds. All of a sudden, it's Emily Pratt. Oh my god, free agent Emily Pratt. Oh my god, the, the legend returning. Yeah, we can bring back. Um, oh man, who's a real like? Yeah, I mean Emily's Emily Pratt's probably about as far back as we go, right? Yeah, Andy is uh, Andy Simmons not returning to the show probably. <laughs> Aw, Andy. I don't think they watch. I don't think he watches wrestling anymore. It didn't, wouldn't matter in a rumble. It doesn't matter. You could be Logan Paul and be in the rumble. True. You don't need to know wrestling. Be in the podcast rumble. And you meet Pat McAfee sitting on commentary, going, "I've never seen this wrestler before," and it's like, "Oh, really? They've been in NXT for like nine months. You don't? Oh watch my god, NXT? <laughs> yes. Who did? Who did Pat say that about? Pat said that about one of the NXT, one of the women in NXT. And it, yeah, and like, Zoe or Indy. And it's not, and yeah, it's not somebody who's like brand spanking new. It's not even it like Rock to have been Zoe because he would have been in NXT with, with Andy, I would think. Yeah, or it might have been Roxanne, but. <laughs> Has Indy been in NXT since like 2019? Yeah, she's been there for a while. So like, yeah. No, there's, there's, <laughs> I would hope not. <laughs> like, I really hope that. I mean, you know, Pat was a professional, is a is a football player, was a football player. Um, of, of actually, you know, famous from his uh his time and work amongst the West Virginia Mountaineers, go Mountaineers. Um, so maybe some of that brain damage is catching up with him a little bit. But uh, yeah, I don't think it was Indy. It must have been. It must have been Zoe or Roxanne. Anyway, this is all spoiler to say we're talking about the Royal Rumble. It's that time of year, that time of year where we dedicate a full episode to world wrestling entertainment, something that we don't normally do here in Grin and Glitterland. No, we really don't. We like if you look through our uh, our very our very thick at this point um, podcast repertoire. If you look at our episode guides, uh, the time that we spend on WWE is a very very small like tablespoon worth amount in this entire re- ingredient recipe ingredient list recipe that is great and clutter. Sorry, my metaphors are all over the place. But yes, we don't really talk about WWE on a regular basis, but we do talk about the Royal Rumble because it's fun. It was like a rumble. 
best gimmick match of all time. But yeah, Good and Glitter, Women's Wrestling Podcast, we do here every Tuesday. So we will be focusing on the women's wrestling content at the Rumble. We won't be talking about the Bloodline. We won't be talking about Cody Rhodes or that tattoo. Is it getting bigger? It's hard to tell every time he shows up. <laughs> that infamous <laughs> neck tattoo. We will be it, focusing it, on the women. It definitely does seem to be getting bigger. Like, I think he keeps adding things to it. Like, little details here and there. And, like, color. I don't know. It's it's It was bad, and it's worse. Well, Cody get his wife into the WWE. Yeah, seriously. When we're going to see Brandy Rhodes? I mean, I, I just assumed she would, like, start being his, like, on-screen ballet manager again. But so far, that hasn't happened. She's hanging yeah, out with... Uh, Liberty Roads or whatever they call her. Oh yeah, <laughs> Liberty Roads. <laughs> I think I think that can't be real. I think it is. I think her name is Liberty. Just Liberty Roads is like. <laughs> how do you get to Washington again? Oh, take left on Liberty Roads. Well, I mean, they're just setting her up for her, you know, her inevitable wow career when she can perform under her actual name, Liberty Roads. Yeah, Hunter and Staff. You know, they were famous couple behind the scenes couple on screen so i can't see objections from triple h about brandy valine for cody but i guess if she doesn't show up as part of like the big spectacle wrestlemania entrance then she's not showing up yeah I oh mean... i think i think the dog's coming out on the wrestlemania entrance we're getting making the wrestlemania entrance he's coming up from underneath uh, the stadium we're getting we're getting pharaoh we're getting everything I mean, Cody used to appear at like ages your average pay-per-view matches or your average like title matches, like with his entire like his entire entourage, his dog and his wife and his like manager and his like team. And um I would I would really hope WrestleMania is no different. He better have like 37 people with him. I want a marching band. Oh. I want baton twirlers. They all have to be in Nightmare I want somebody Factory. dressed like Uncle Sam. They're all in Nightmare Factory jackets. They're all they're all somehow related to him or worked with his dad. It's like a crowd of veterans just like hoisting him on their shoulders and being like, yes, you are Dusty's son. Diamond Dallas Page, front and center. There you go. Just ride Diamond Dallas Page into the ring. And then for some He's- reason, um, Jamie, Jamie Noble will be there too. <laughs> some, some reason. All right. As all right, I said... We- yeah, we we're did our Cody Rhodes coverage. Yeah, we're going to talk <laughs> about women's wrestling predominantly. The first woman that we saw of the night was Rhea Ripley during the men's... Okay, okay, fine, fine. Don, you got one minute. Talk about the pitch black match. Um, It looked like it was in like a 90s arcade where you would like, um, like bowl or something like that. And it made you want to drink Mountain Dew. And I think that's all I got. Friends, I'm really upset about this. It is not, it was not a pitch black match. It was I can Mountain, see pretty well. Excuse me. It was Mountain Dew pitch black match. Thank you very much. The Mountain Dew is very important here because it did look like a laser tag arena in like 2001. And you would be chugging Mountain Dew as you ran around in a crowd of 11 year olds firing a like fake laser pistol or maybe some jasta so the rematch at elimination chamber a doritos tangy bbq match Ooh. 
Ooh, it's a Doritos death match, and there's just bags of Doritos all around. I mean, can you imagine getting some of that dust in your eyes? Ugh. A triangle-sided ring impacted six sides. Let's do a, a triangle, just three sides, like a Dorito. Okay, but this is dangerously close to my trademarked idea. I mean, Domino's owned wrestling promotion where all of the uh, rings are like the top of the pizza boxes. I had the stream and I, I think it should be reality. I think Domino's the pizza chain should own a wrestling company. And their, their face was a uh, pepperoni daddy. It's all a dream to say WWE buy it for me. Yeah. The cosmic bowl vibes yes. of the Mountain Dew pitch black match were something they kept it mercifully short. I'll give them that. Going into this show, and I, this is how out of touch I am with WWE. Before the like during the pre-show, going into the night, I was like, Sami Zayn has to win the men's rumble. And I don't know who's gonna win the women's rumble, but I could see it being Naomi. I mean, we haven't heard from her since her and Sasha walked out. Mercedes Monet is making her new Japan debut. She she wasn't with Mercedes there. It seems like Naomi's not going to stardom or New Japan. And her husband's involved still in like the biggest storyline in the company. So I could see her returning to WWE. And if she returns to WWE, the Rumble match is a perfect opportunity. Have her win the Rumble. Have her, her versus Charlotte. Sure, that's a WrestleMania match. And get those headlines going that Mercedes has been grabbing for the other companies. I really, I, I wasn't confident she was going to win, but I really thought there was a very good chance that we'd see Naomi as a surprise entrant in the Remembrance Rumble. And then when we got the Mountain Dew pitch black match, I was like, okay, so she's not returning because they stole her, they stole her shtick. This is a this whole match is a Naomi entrance routine. It it did it did suck for, in that way. Like I, I I I the pure aesthetics of it are cool, but it all it reminded me of was hey, it was really cool when this was Naomi's aesthetic. This was like this, this was the glow. This is what she did. Like it 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 sucks in that way. Like they. They get to use this now on whoever they want, including Bray Wyatt and LA Knight. I watched pay-per-view at my parents' place with my dad, who's been watching wrestling 50 years and still watches or follows at least WWE Weekly on SmackDown. He knew more about the storylines on this show than I did. And my buddy, Matt. Matt is not predominantly a wrestling fan. He's seen like maybe six pay-per-views in the past couple of years, just through association with me, some NXT, some AEW. And attended one indie show with me and follows WWE on TikTok, interestingly enough. So if you want kind of a portrait of like a casual wrestling fan, that's how he gets his updates on what's going on in WWE as he follows the TikTok. So even during the pitch back black match, when they flipped the lights off and everything was neon and uh, glow in the dark, he was like, hmm, this is like that uh, that wrestler who was, who was here before. Uh, what wrestler was that? Like even he, I like casually seen like three shows, was like this new right away. This reminds me of Naomi, but couldn't place the name. Pitch black match that happened. Uncle Howdy dropped a uh, uncle sized big elbow off the platform. That was the end of that. And that took us into Alexa Bliss versus Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship with the threat of Uncle Howdy looming in the background. Uh, vis-a-vis the video packages they kept talking about how he was talking to her and she was hearing voices in her head and going crazy again so I really expected this match to move that story forward in a big way heading into WrestleMania season I also expected the same thing with Bray Wyatt match it didn't really it took out LA night and I assume he comes back as a disciple of Bray Wyatt's ministry of darkness now 
But the Alexa and Bianca match didn't really like it was an okay, it was a fine match. It was seven and a half minutes. It was pretty straightforward, as straightforward as you can get on a show like this. And then post-match, we just get like a little video clip playing of spooky playgrounds, and that's it. I, I don't follow, I mean, obviously, again, don't follow close enough to really know how this story, you know, feeds into the larger Alexa Bliss uh narrative right now, but like aside from a little bit of stuff from the commentary and a little bit of, you know, the, the promo package leading into the match and then the aftermatch little video thing. Um, there wasn't really anything in this, in this match specifically like the match that had any bearing on the larger storyline. I'm not sure how they used that story in the buildup to this feud or just into this, you know, build up into this match. Um, but I don't know, this match was fine, but I, it is, I don't want to say filler, but like I knew watching this match, even as someone who isn't watching WWE in any kind of capacity on a regular basis, um, I knew that this wasn't going anywhere. Like I knew that Bianca was going to retain, like there's nothing about this that had anything. It didn't feel like a big needle mover for Alexa either. Just like a little bit more, a little bit more pace setting for whatever is going to happen in her story with Bray Wyatt. I mean, like, when going into it, like, the little amount that I knew about the storyline, I thought it was going to be, like, a weird match. Like, mm-hmm. like back back whenever she would, like, possess people and, like, stuff like that. And it was a really straightforward match. I liked the match. I thought it was good. I mean, I didn't think there was anything spectacular about it. But, you know, it was a fine match. You know, it was super straightforward, though. Yeah. The gist I gathered from the video package is that Alexa started hearing these voices and started acting spooky and evil again a couple of weeks ago against Bianca. And that's what set up the match and led us to this encounter was Bianca having enough of it. And then it's it's like, okay, so it's just the same thing. Like after the match, we get this video, which is supposed to be something meaningful. And it's just Uncle Howdy saying, uh, are you in charge? Are you in control or something like that? I guess, yeah, I guess Alexa's being possessed by the ghost of Lily the creepy doll that she used to carry or the ghost of sister Abigail again, something like that. Yeah. I think it might be the ghost of sister Abigail. I'm, I think that that got dropped at some point, that name. I don't know. Um, it's, it's cool. Like I actually really, in you know, me, I'm like not going to shade any kind of supernatural storytelling in wrestling. I love impact for a reason. I, I, Don, I agree with you. I, I think I went into watching this match thinking like, okay, well, this is what they're setting up with Alexa. Like if this is the whole running narrative with her, something weird's going to happen in the match. But I was really surprised that it was just like, no, it's just, you know, seven and a half minute match. Totally fine. Totally good match. You know, couple near falls. Uh, Bianca is, you know, continues to be beloved by literally everybody. And she's great. And uh, she sold the hell out of that match. And uh, yeah. That was, that was it. It's just like, okay. Bray has so many ideas for character work and stories and lore around the Bray Wyatt character and the Bray Wyatt universe, but it, none of it seems like applicable to pro wrestling. Like then when he tries to like take all this lore and work it into like actual wrestling where you realize like everything has to be paid off in a wrestling match, it seems to struggle. In that sense. So it's like, okay, so Alexa is going to be like full evil now for whatever reason. She's possessed. She's evil herself, whatever, whatever the reason is. She's evil now. She's going to rejoin him and his little group again with Uncle Howdy and whatever LA Knight is, new name is. But then again, you're like, okay, but then what, where does that take us to WrestleMania? 
you know, are they going to wrestle like an eight person mixed gender match against somebody else? Or like, how does this pay off in a wrestling match? I don't know because in impact and in other places, it would pay off in a match that was like in hell and, or it would be like a monster's ball match or be all kinds of things that they have kind of set up within this, like the undead realm where like they can build wrestling directly into it. Um, the reason WWE struggles with that is because if you're not the undertaker, they have a hard time working your mythology into the actual wrestling. So I, I really don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And Bianca, uh, we'll talk about her after the Rumble. What's next for Miss Belair? Well, let's talk about the Rumble because this match was perfectly fine, but we have 30 women to talk about. True. In the men's Rumble, we did get one little moment. Rhea Ripley came out with the rest of Judgment Day, gotten some licks on Edge before Edge's wife, Beth Phoenix, came out. They uh, had an exchange in the aisle. Beth put Rhea down with a spear in the aisle. That was it for the women at that point during the men's match. I assumed that'd be paid off later on in the night with Beth being in the rumble. It was not. So question marks there. Yeah. Spoiler alert. uh, Beth was not in the rumble. And the whole time I'm like, oh, Beth will be in the rumble. Beth will be like number 30. That'd be amazing. Rhea's been in there from the start. Then we have Beth coming up to like fuck up her day right at the end. Thought that would be brilliant, but that's not the way they went. Yeah. Like, I don't really understand why you would just have... A retired wrestler beat up the person that you're gonna have win the Royal Rumble. You know, my big That's leap a- in that moment was right. Beth, Beth, and Rhea eliminate each other in the Rumble, and at WrestleMania, it's couple versus couple, like Rhea and Dominic against Edge and Beth, or something to that effect. Okay, not to talk about the Men's Rumble again, but just like really briefly. Um, uh, am I supposed to be rooting for Dominic Mysterio? Because I kind of am. I love like a wrestling cockroach. I love like a like a pesky, like little brother, like rat type in wrestling. And that's what Dominic Mysterio makes me think of. But but then like on the other side, like if Rhea Ripley told you to do something, like I'm pretty sure like 90% of us would. Um, I mean, you know my feelings on this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually got shades of Glamorella when Beth and Santino Morella were dating. Same idea, right? Big, scary, strong, powerful woman and like weaselly comedy figure boyfriend who like Dominic doesn't play the comedy like as broad as Santino, but he is still a comedy figure in a lot of respects. Yeah. I mean, he he is like he'll he'll go goofy. Best, as I can suggest, next pay-per-view is in Montreal, Canada. Edge and Beth Phoenix's home country. So maybe we get that match there. Maybe we get the mixed tag match at Elimination Chamber before Rhea moves on to challenging someone at WrestleMania. Whom that someone will be. Okay, women's Royal Rumble match. We start with Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan at number one and number two. And spoiler alert, they finish the match as the last two people left standing, just like Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog. Again, watching this with my casual wrestling fan buddy, he thought it was kind of weird that like we just saw Gunther start at number one and go to the final two. And then we have these two women start at number one and go to the final two. It really makes it seem like next year they're going to try to sell us on like, oh my God, this person is number three. How, there's no way they're going to win. And it's like, yeah, it's very easy to start at the beginning and make it to the end. We saw it three times last year. 
it really undermines the idea that it's hard. Like it really does to see like multiple people do it in one night. I think that they probably have to cut that out a little bit in coming years. Otherwise it's going to just start seeming like, well, you know, they only made it halfway through the rumble. What are they? That's weak. I get it if you're like a Gunther, like, okay, sure. But like, no offense to Liv Morgan, doesn't seem like the type to survive an hour in a match like this. And I feel like it should do something for Liv, but I feel like it's not going to. You know what I mean? Because like going, what, an hour in the Royal Rumble should heighten you and make you a bigger star. But like, it didn't seem like they were really focusing on the fact that Liv was there that long. I think that that's a really good point on. And also like, we have to think about like that final sequence I loved, but that final sequence also wasn't Gunther versus Cody for like 12 extra minutes. It was not like that big final showdown. It was a fairly quick series of events where they all end up tied up on the apron and just by like, by force of will and good positioning and uh, well-timed moves and well, like, you know, well-positioned moves, Rhea is able to get the upper hand on both Asuka and Liv Morgan. It doesn't make Liv Morgan look like this like huge resilient beast like Gunther looked. It just she got it kind of makes her look like she got lucky. And that's not a great place to be if you're I don't know. It seems like they kind of like push her whenever they're in, they don't know what else to do. You know what I mean? Because Liv Liv doesn't really have like that character. Or, you know, anything like that, a persona to really get her over that much. I mean, she's good in the ring. She's very attractive, but they never really seem to get behind her, give a reason to get behind her. I did like that Rhea essentially eliminated Asuka with a 619 and eliminated Liv with a Hurricane Rana, basically just stealing her boyfriend's dad's moves. That was a really nice little sequence and callback there. But agreed, like it doesn't, I don't see Liv Morgan factoring into any like big singles match at WrestleMania. Even if Rhea is to challenge Bianca, I, I, you could have Liv step up and take on Charlotte, but it seems unlikely. I mean, I guess... like she'll probably be in like the elimination chamber or whatever that's going to be for. But like, that's. Well, I guess the big question then is like, what is the point of having Liv in that final position? As opposed to somebody who entered at number 28 or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. why why live Morgan? Like there were there were I mean there was actually pretty coherent storytelling in the reasonings that various people in the men's rumble stuck around for as long as they did, and a lot of that in the women's rumble as well. But Liv is this kind of head scratcher of like, okay, you've got you got Rhea, you got you got Oscar who like obviously comes in with a like a big fanfare and um comes in, you know, in her transformed state. She has won the one and only other Rumble she has been in. She's never been eliminated. So it's like this big moment for Asuka. And it makes sense for her to make it to that like final stand. But really, like, I just, with Liv, it's like, okay, so it's, it, we got Rhea, you've got Asuka, and then Liv Morgan. Question mark? And I hate feeling that way because I have nothing against Liv Morgan. I like Liv Morgan, but I just, I don't feel like WWE ever gives me a reason to be compelled by her being in a match. Like, if you had, like, Roxy or, like, one of the NXT girls, like, Zoe or someone like that be in the last three, then that would mean something for them. You know what I mean? But having it be Liv, I don't think it would. I think they see 
baby face potential in her or like top baby face potential. They know that she's very beloved by a large faction of fans. So even though I don't see her doing anything significant at WrestleMania, I think the idea is to keep her warmed up enough that she could be a pay-per-view title contender after WrestleMania. But, you know, in the, the, the quiet months between Mania and SummerSlam, you need somebody to challenge for the title at the June pay-per-view, at the July pay-per-view. And they think, like, oh, she'd be fine in that role. So we don't we want to keep her, like, high-profile enough. Yeah, I mean, being the final two in the Women's Royal Rumble should be something that, like, she can use as a momentum boost. I mean, I mean, again, not to really compare it because it was not the same performance exactly, but, like, you know, Gunther comes out of the Men's Rumble looking like a freaking star looking like a like behemoth unstoppable force that only only by like insane and like miracle powers was was overwhelmed for the win for for cody's win like Liv doesn't have that story she doesn't get to be this huge resilient force that only like by happenstance gets taken over she just like kind of ends up looking like she was there as an afterthought and it's not great mindset moving forward with her but like also they could do something with her in the months moving forward to wrestlemania and into summer um she's just she's a steady hand and they always come back to her but i wish that they would i don't know i wish they would commit a little bit more to her like really give her a push instead of just like using her when they need a body if ripley walks out of mania as smackdown women's champion they can definitely go back to this right they can have lift step up and be the neck the first challenger for new champion Rhea. And reference the fact that, hey, I was there with you at number one. I lasted a whole match too. If one thing had gone differently, I would have been the one staying tall that night. If I hadn't got sprayed in the eyes with the mist. Yeah. Yeah. If Oscar had hit you with the mist instead of me, maybe I'd be the champ right now. Okay. But also, like, thinking about this too, like, I, I think I undermined Liv a little bit in that performance because she does get missed and she's still, like, she holds on. She still manages to deliver at least one or two moves onto Rhea that like pushes her back a bit. Like, yes, Rhea remains in control for the vast majority of that ending sequence. And she does take the win, but like, it is pretty impressive what they like she's able to do in those, those moments, the way they made that happen actually is pretty cool. It just, yeah. Like she should be the next challenger. If Rhea gets the belt, she absolutely should. I'm just worried that they'll, they'll have forgotten about her part in this whole thing because they always seem to forget about Liv Morgan when it's, you know, when their attention is turned elsewhere. It was decidedly the Rhea Ripley show. She had the <laughs> most eliminations of the night at seven. She entered at number one and one, which makes her the longest tenure of uh, any woman in any of the six women's war rumbles we've seen. She now has the most cumulative eliminations, 20 women eliminated total over various Aura Rumbles, more than anybody else. So it was all about her making her look like a dominant force. Now we've got two paths we can go here. We can have her stick on Raw, challenge Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's Championship. That seems like an easy route. You got babyface, you got heel, very clear cut there. Bianca's very popular. Yeah, they're trying their best to make her not get sheared by the fans. It's, it's an uphill battle, but they're trying. Or we have a go to SmackDown, and she takes on Charlotte Flair. Charlotte, I believe, is babyface right now because she beat Ronda for the title. Although Charlotte, again, it's always a little unclear. Even when she's she has the same mannerisms here, her face. So even when she's a face, she comes across as kind of cocky and arrogant and full of herself. I think if the crowd continues to cheer Rhea, I think it would be a lot easier to turn Charlotte because I mean. 
obviously you don't want to turn Bianca. Yeah, I mean, ter- the the issue with Rhea and the crowd is that the crowd loves Rhea. Like, this, and this match didn't do anything to dissuade that love. Like, we believe in Rhea Ripley's powers. We believe in her as this monstrous force. And, like, she is played up as the strongest member of her all otherwise all-male faction. Like, Rhea sold to us in a big, big way. And, like, and I, for one, along with everybody else, am gobbling it right up. Nom, 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 nom. But... Like, I'm not supposed to, right? I'm supposed to boo her. She is a heel. I'm supposed to boo. She's beating up, dom- she's helping Dominic Mysterio, like, beat up his dad every week. Like, I'm I'm supposed to not like that, right? But, like, I'm rooting for her in this match. I'm rooting for her in general. So if she faces up against Charlotte, the only choice is for Charlotte to be heel. And it's so much easier to boo Charlotte. Well, and it seems like that's the direction they're going to go. Because as we were wanted to remember, three years ago, the 2020 Royal Rumble, Charlotte Flair wins. She decides she's going to challenge for the NXT Women's Championship, and she goes on to beat Rhea for the NXT title at WrestleMania 36. Add to this the fact that Rhea Ripley has held the NXT Women's title, the Raw Women's title, and the NXT UK Women's Championship. She's the only person to have held all three of those, leaving just the SmackDown title left. She can beat Charlotte for the title at Mania. She will have won all four, and considering the NXT UK Championship is retired now, that makes it a very difficult feat. Like the, I think the only other people who could call not Tony Storm, she's not in the company anymore. Maybe Alba Fire. I don't think there's too many other people who could. Did Piper ever have the UK belt? I don't believe so. No, it, the title's only been held like it changed hands very infrequently. Yeah, the only women to hold the NXT UK Women's Championship in the four years that it existed were Rhea, Tony Storm. Alba Fire and Miko Satomura. Hmm. And none of them have held. Or, <laughs> Alba could potentially make that those other three happen, but it seems unlikely. She's not being positioned to be uh, winning the title in NXT America anytime soon. Yeah, no. Last night when we checked in, they were like when we checked in on NXT, they were just kind of reintroducing her, but I don't think that really went anywhere. It's difficult to say because I think. She was going to start some stuff with with Mandy Rose, but she had a, but then, she had a killer match with Isla Dawn. Mm-hmm. They had a killer like hardcore match. So I don't. I think they might still be feuding, but um, yeah. I mean, she's she's really good. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, to, like all the uh, like all the NXT UK people were were, were great because they were all like cherry picked of the top from. The, like UK and elsewhere, like they, everybody coming out of, out of NXT UK is is fantastic and very very ready for like for more. Hey, and uh, speaking of that that alum, like we did get to see Piper in this match, which was exciting, and it was also really fun to see that they gave her her name back. Yeah, Piper Niven is Piper Niven once again. Do drop no more. She had a little bit of uh, pride, like rainbow imagery on her name on the Tron, which is always fun as well, that they're willing to acknowledge all of that stuff. Um, we had a couple, not a ton of surprises in either Rumble, honestly, but we had a couple more in the women's Rumble than in the men's. We had Michelle McCool in the legend spot, coming out of the front row and jumping over the barricade. Yeah, We had that was Nia cool. Jax back, hopefully just yeah. uh, for the night and not permanently. <laughs> and we had rumored to be back permanently, Chelsea Green. Yep. 
uh, in a historic women's rumble appearance, historic rumble appearance, I think, I think this counts for also the men's rumble, history of all the rumbles, um, comes in, you know, walks, struts down that like mile of uh, runway that they force them to walk down and um, gets all the way down, lots and lots of hype and is eliminated in five seconds. So I don't understand like what they technically start them, like time them with. <laughs> it, like whenever they step in the ring, I think they're Once ring you're through the time. ropes. I believe. Yeah. Okay. So I think the timing itself happens regardless. So like the timing in between new competitors starts yeah. from the moment I that they start making the entrance. So mm-hmm. like Chelsea Green's entrance begins. The clock starts for the next person to come up. But her actual ring time doesn't start like in official count until she gets up, gets into the ring. Yeah, so she was in the ring for five seconds before she got dumped out, which is a new record for women's matches. No woman has been in a rumble for less than five seconds yet. I'm wondering if that's true of the men's rumble too. Like if there's been... Oh, um, um, there's a couple of men. Santino was in for one second one year. <laughs> He stepped through the ropes and was immediately clotheslined right back over. <laughs> and uh, I want to say the Warlord did like three seconds one year as well. I want to say one of the Bushwhackers maybe did like a three-second one too. Yeah. But Chelsea holds the record. So what does this mean? Because this is not a one-off appearance. If it was, that'd be, that'd be really sad. But no, she's back with WWE full-time is the rumor. Whether she shows up on Raw SmackDown or NXT this week remains to be seen. And all indications are that she's going to play a heel going forward, and this is going to be the catalyst for her new comp- her new character, which is going to be a lot of complaining, a lot of whining, sort of a Karen-inspired uh, character, I guess. Ah, very, very of the times, WWE. Nice. I mean, they, like, let her kind of do what, um, like, a hot mess, kind of, like, with her screaming and complaining and stuff like that. I mean, it could work. She has it in her. But, mm-hmm. like... I think it's going to be a little bit of a stretch. I'm curious how it's going to be different from, and Harley, I think you were still actively watching NXT during this time. So maybe you can weigh in on this. What was her NXT character? Oh, she didn't have one. I was going to say, I don't think I, I don't remember a darn thing other than for a while she had a, she had like a manager, social media type, like manager slash. Oh, was you know, she was a own guy, right? Was it, oh, was it a Robert Stone? I think so. Okay. Yeah, she was not like in her entire NXT tenure, she only appeared on 12 episodes. So she was not around very long. Her, I'm looking at my stats, her win loss record in singles matches was three and two, you know, right in the middle. Like she only wrestled five singles matches in her entire time in NXT. So there really wasn't much to say there at all. Like I think she was just starting to get TV time when she was released for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember there being any kind of strong characteristics to her other than just like being kind of glammed up and being a little disappointed because I liked hot mess Chelsea Green. I thought that there and I thought there was something fun that they could play with. And honestly, in NXT at that point, they had, I think that was still when Nikki Cross was around or maybe right after Nikki Cross was called up. And like, you know, they had spots for crazy, manic, chaotic women. Um, it was sad to me that they kind of didn't go that route with a performer who could play that really well. So I'm hoping I'm, I don't know, Donna, I think you're right. I mean, it could, it could work if a lot, especially if they make her messy, like not uptight. Yeah. Or it could be a slow unraveling as well. 
Yeah. Like, I have a, over I, months, I, she gets more and more annoyed and like freaking out and unhinged. It'd be cool if they could play up like her, like kind of what they did with Britt Baker for a little while, where Britt Baker was kind of pointing out conspiracies and stuff. And she'd come out with like big like flow charts and like things tack. Like if they could take that, but like up up it by like several degrees of insanity. That that could work. I just want to see Chelsea Green be able to do what Chelsea Green can really do, which is like play crazy. The question now with Raw and SmackDown, especially, is always how are women like Chelsea Green going to find screen time, going to get on? Because we're, we were watching the Rumble and we we're like, oh, right, Shotzi Blackheart, she works there. Oh, right. <laughs> Lacey Evans, she's getting rebooted for the seventh time. And there were plenty of women who I don't know if they're injured or what, but like I know Aaliyah is on the roster somewhere. Don't, I can't tell you where. Zia Lee, I forgot that she was a thing. Yeah. You know, so, because for so, for the last 10 years, honestly, it's been the Four Horsewomen show. It was Charlotte Becky, Sasha and Bailey. They were the stars, the focal points of the division. Everything revolved around then. Asuka slowly started to creep her way up to that level, where it was the five woman show. And in the last two years, Bianca's made a leap as well, which works out with uh, Sasha leaving. So we're still back to like, a five-woman show. All indications from this pay-per-view are that Rhea Ripley is the next project to jump up to that level and be considered like a main event, top-tier superstar, along with the three horsewomen, Bianca and Asuka. But everybody outside of that still definitely feels like mid-carters and feels like if Becky and Bailey are getting their matches cut for time on Raw, when is Chelsea Green going to wrestle? And who? when are we going to get Chelsea Green versus Piper Niven? on tv in a serious way i mean we yeah. still have the tag team division so i mean there's possibilities there for some people but um yeah i don't know yeah i i don't really know because i mean that like the tag team division should theoretically be a great way to like work more women into regular storylines and tv appearances but the tag division it as it has been and as it continues to be um it's just continually diminished to the point where like they're not interested in building like long-term stories within the tag division and they're not really interested in giving any kind of consistent television exposure to the tag division either <clears throat> from what i can see like all of this comes from the caveat of like, I do not watch WWE programming on a regular basis. There might be things that I'm missing. There might be that five minute match that gets featured every week. I have no idea, but it's not memorable enough for say that stuff to be referenced heavily during something like the women's rumble where these women were very much, you know, some of these women came in with a lot of information that the commentary team seemed to have ready to produce. And most of these women, the commentary seemed a little confused by or, or unfamiliar with, despite, you know, being having even worked in the same place. Like, who did Pat say he didn't know? Indy Hartwell? Or Zoe Stark, someone from NXT. But it's, yeah, it's never a great look when you're com- when your lead commentator is like, oh, yeah, I don't watch the show if I'm not on it. Yeah, like, that. that's, I get, like, if you're playing a character or whatever on commentary, I, I get it to some degree. But, like, that's not, you, you don't do that. That's. That's stupid. No, no one listens to the commentary. Like it's one thing for a commentator to pretend not to care about a person in the ring, but it's like stupid for them to say like, I don't know her. So uh, women's take team champions right now are Dakota Kai and Io Sky. I would not guess that. I thought it was Baszler and Rousey for some reason. No, I knew it was, I I knew it was likely damage control because, um, because it's part of kind of a part of their shtick of like, 
they're tag champions. Bailey's like their singles champion. Like that's kind of like they're they're following that classic three person stable. But doesn't it yeah. say something that there was absolutely no tag matches on the Rumble? Because that says what they what they think about tag team wrestling. I mean, yeah. I mean, th- but like that's not unusual. Like they're. I mean, we're in a post Sasha and Naomi WWE for a reason. Like. Apparently, I mean, those, I have no idea how credible those sort that information is at this point, if that still stands. But like that whole thing started because of the poor treatment of of their tag champions at that point in time. I mean, even the Usos didn't have a match, though. You know? Yeah. Well, WWE is not the place you go for tag wrestling in general. <laughs> like, can, are they capable of bringing you great tag matches? Absolutely. Are they interested in tag divisions? No, they never have been. They never will be. There's a reason why AEW exists, and it's because the Bucks didn't want to go to WWE, where tag wrestling isn't a, isn't a priority. So, if I had to guess, we'll probably get the tag titles defended in some sort of four-way match at WrestleMania, Dakota and EO against. Candice and Indy and Natalia and Tamina and Shayna and Ronda, something like that. Some sort of get all the women on the card match. Do we assume the Becky Lynch-Bailey feud continues to WrestleMania? Because we did have Becky eliminate Dakota and EO in this match, and then Bailey eliminate Becky. And they never got to do a steel cage match on Raw. So do we run back the steel cage match at WrestleMania? Do we take it up a level? Do we do like an elimination chamber match? They've eliminated... The Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. It used to be like every July, hey, it's Elimination Chamber time. Triple H got rid of that. So that makes me think there's a chance that we'll get the match some other time um, when it's not so obvious that it's coming up. I would say they have to go with, you know, Becky and Bailey at WrestleMania, if not like a six-way, um, you know, with damage control. And then Becky, you know, finds two people hopefully not. Hopefully not too random people, but, you know. And if that's the case. Okay, so we're, we're booking the, the uh, WrestleMania now. We've got Charlotte and Rhea for the SmackDown title. We've got Becky and Bailey in Elimination Chamber. We've got a four-way for the women's take titles. We've got a uh, women's battle mm-hmm. royal on the pre-show. That's where you get your Shotzi's and your uh, Dana Brooks and Emma's and all of them. Who does Bianca Belair defend against? Who's left on? I think it would have to be Oscar. That's the only other person they trust in a main event. Uh, true, as I said, yeah. in that top tier. And she is now reborn with shorter hair and clown makeup. Reborn is her old I mean, con- evil Kana version. You could do something really cool with the, with the clown clown gimmick for her WrestleMania like entrance. So, Yeah, I would really love that to be the, the case for WrestleMania. I think that that would deliver. That would be a pleaser. Yeah, Evil Crazy Asuka versus Bianca, who's just like, come on, I just got rid of Evil Crazy Alexa Bliss, and I got to deal with this? <laughs> yes. You've got, like, you know, se- second tier, second level, actually top level, if you really want. Top level evil. Without all the, like, weird, like, sh- you know, puppet, the shadow puppetry of uh, some kind of puppet master in the background. All right, well, I'm sold. That's your WrestleMania card, folks. <laughs> come check back with us in uh, two months. Let us know if we were right or wrong. I might watch WrestleMania. It's hard to say. We're not going to probably won't talk about it on the show, but I, I might watch it. I, I make a habit of checking in and there. I mean, I have Peacock, so it's like it, it, something to be said for this deal with Peacock is that like a lot of us have Peacock for non WWE reasons, and now it makes it like irresistible to like check in on these major events. So like the Rumble, you know, 
the major ones, Rumble and and WrestleMania, maybe SummerSlam. Like I don't, I'm not gonna watch every pay per view because there's a ton of them. But I mean, WrestleMania is WrestleMania. What can you do? I won't watch all of it, but I'll check in on the matches I care about, especially the women's stuff because the women tend to deliver like they do, when, especially when they're given like priority spot. Which it was cool to see. I mean, being the you know the lead into the main event of the rumble this year wasn't like my favorite spot but it is always cool to see like the women get priority yeah we're assuming charlotte and Rhea will probably close out night one because i feel like the the way they phrase it you think Rhea ripley and cody rhodes are main eventing the two nights of wrestlemania that's that's what they've earned by winning the matches yeah, it's not just a title match. It's a title match at WrestleMania, like being the big draw. And we'll get Dominic Mysterio at ringside, being a little bratty guy. Maybe he'll get into it with Rick, Unky Rick. That could be some uh, some comedy fun at ringside. Oh, my. Uh, wow. Two just like loathsome creatures going at it. All right, that's our show. Thank you for listening. As always, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Patreon at Grit Glitter Pod. If you support us on Patreon, you get a weekly newsletter written by your friends in the Glitterati. You get the Grit and Glitter Archive. We are posting season one classic Grit and Glitter from 2019 every Saturday for our patrons at the $5 tier. These are episodes that you and I haven't heard in like three or four years. And you get bonus podcasts. M and Val Quartz have one where they rewatch the Netflix series Glow, and M and I have one where we are tracing the history of women in the WWE. You like the WWE? You just listen to this episode. I assume you must. Yeah, there's like ten of you out there who probably only listen to our Rumble coverage, which like is probably pretty bad in your if you're if you are a regular WWE watcher and you listen to our podcast about WWE related materials, man. We must be missing so much and you must be so angry at us right now. And you're yelling all kinds of things. I'm really sorry. Don't, uh, don't drive your car off the road. Just ignore us. Turn on a regular podcast that covers WWE in a more consistent fashion. But if you want the history, you listen to women's wrestling entertainment where Harley R. Paget exhaustively researches the history of the women in WWE, uh, starting from the very, very, very beginning. We've even dived into the side worlds of what was happening in the NWA with women and WCW during that same era. So catch up with us, subscribe to our Patreon. You can get those episodes along with everything that is forthcoming. Nine episodes already out. We are up to the summer of 1989 in the WWF. Our 10th episode will be coming in the next month or two, looking at the four-year period when there was no women's division. This means we've got mixed tag action with Dusty Rhodes and Sapphire taking on Macho Man and Sensational Sherry. We've got the wedding of Macho Man and Elizabeth and a whole lot more. That's going to be coming soon. So go subscribe, catch up on the old episodes, get ready for episode 10. Next week on the show, doubleheader of interviews. We have Jackie Pratt, Glitterati member, talking to indie referee Gina Monti. If you've watched any IWTV or any Beyond Wrestling, you probably recognize ref Gina. Jackie will be talking to her about the life of an independent referee. And Em and I will be talking to comic book writer Joanne Starer. She has a new miniseries entitled The Gimmick coming out this March. It's about... Shane Bryant, a kind of mid-card, quiet, 
wrestler who just also happens to have super strength. And when an accident in the ring goes horribly awry, he has to deal with the consequences. In the meantime, please, again, go support us on Patreon, just like everybody who did this month, this January of 2023. Alexi, Nancy Todd, Chad Boykin, Jaron Armstrong, Aaron Carlisle, Evan Minsker, Jason Norris, and the guys at the Wrestling Mayhem Show. Thank you for your support. You are what will get us to episode 190, 200, and so on and so forth. Come back.